Welcome back to the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast, the podcast for HVAC contractors who are ready to quit screwing around and begin growing their business. My name is Eric Thomas, and I am the host of the show. And this podcast is powered by Rival Digital, which is a full-service digital marketing agency for HVAC contractors. What's going on, everybody? Before we dive into this episode, I wanted to talk to you about Service World Expo 2021. It's coming up from September the 21st through the 24th in Louisville, Kentucky, and you guys are not going to want to miss this conference. It is going to be the conference of the year. Trust me, there's going to be over 2,000 contractors there. There's going to be dozens and dozens of partners and other vendors there. There's going to be breakout sessions, workshops, and some special keynote speeches, and you're going to walk away with the knowledge and the insight that you need to grow your business in 2022. So if you want to learn more, head over to serviceworldexpo.com and register today. I'll see you there. Hey, everybody. Happy Wednesday. Uh, It might be a Tuesday or a Thursday if you're listening to this uh, later in the future, uh, because that's when we release our episodes. But today is actually a Wednesday. So happy Wednesday to all that are listening right now. Uh, my name is Eric Thomas. I am the host of the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. We've got a very good guest with us today. We're joined by Brian Gessner from Prestige. Brian, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, Brian, why don't you go ahead and uh, introduce yourself, tell the world a little bit more uh, about your company, uh, about the history of the company, and, and how you got to where you are today. Um, so, my name is Brian Gessner. I own Prestige Heating and Air Conditioning. We are based out of the Woodlands, Texas, uh, just uh, north of Houston, and uh, our company is 13 years old. Um, we have 10 technicians on the road. Um, we do our own installs in house. So I've got a few install crews out there as well. Um, I've been in the industry myself for 34 years since the age of 10. Uh, so I've been in this for a very, very long time. There's not a whole lot that I haven't seen or touched. Yeah. Um, so it, it gives us the, the knowledge and ability to basically work on everything. Yeah. So since the age of 10, I assume that you had a, a family member or maybe a, a friend's family member that you were working with, or were you just getting out of uh, middle school and going and swapping out AC units? <laughs> no, it was my dad. Uh, my dad had his own company. He still does, actually. Uh, he's just one man in a truck, just like he wants to be. Um, and I was his little attic rat for a very, very long time. <laughs> <laughs> Send you up first and make sure there's no rats up there. Snakes That's it. <laughs> That's awesome. So what, what are some of the lessons that you learned growing up in the trades? Um, so one of the, the, I think the most important lessons, lesson that I learned that we, we carry through right now is take care of the client first and foremost. Don't worry about the money. You know, you, you need to make sure that you're charging correct prices and that you've got your bottom line prices all figured out. But just treat the client like they're gold and the money will come. You don't have to worry about it. it. It's going to come. They're going to refer you. All their friends are going to refer you. And it's just going to be super simple if you just focus on treating them well. Yeah. I think, uh, I'm not sure who said this quote but recently, but it's just been stuck in my head. And that is uh, revenue follows service. And, you know, there, there's a lot of companies out there that just go straight for revenue 
you know, sell, sell, sell without any type of, you know, fulfillment of the promised service. And it's actually quite the opposite. If you go heavy on the service, make sure you do a good job the first time, mm-hmm. make the customer happy, then the revenue will follow tenfold. Yeah. And then we, we now have clients that we're referred to that tell us, look, we were told by a friend, a friend or a family member that you're not the cheapest, but we want to go with you. So, I mean, that means the world to me, knowing that even though they're, they're wanting to bargain shop, I'm sure everybody wants to bargain shop. They're willing to spend a little bit more just to go with us because they know that that service is going to be there. Yeah. I feel like the tides are starting to turn kind of in the home services industry in regards to, you know, commodity shopping, price shopping. I feel like, it, you know, it used to be where it was always, oh, I could find a guy to do it cheaper. Um, but I, I feel like enough homeowners learned their lesson about that where now it's <laughs> – now it's gotten to the point where it's like, okay, if he's the cheapest, then they probably aren't good. <laughs> yeah, um, I think that's exactly what it is, man. You hit the nail on the head. It's it's they are learning their lessons, and those lessons are now being passed around, um, you know, as word of mouth. Just like we are we are advertised for by word of mouth, those stories are starting to go around. Um, we had a client that we we did a quote for about two months ago. And uh, he has a 900 square foot home and he ended up going with the cheaper guy. And the cheaper guy came and put a five ton system in a 900 square foot home. <laughs> and uh, in Houston, that's that's a horrible idea because you're not removing moisture. And so now he has walls caked in mold and moisture and, and water running down everything. And, and now he's paying us to go back in there and redo it all. So how do you go about explaining that to the customer that like, how do you gracefully tell them, hey, you made a bad decision uh, and it's going to cost you more to fix, uh, but we're going to get it right this time. You know, I normally don't have to do that explaining because they do that for me. They will call up the office and say, look, I, I need to speak to Brian. I, I made a very bad decision and now I need to spend a lot of money to correct it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that that has to have been a pretty hefty uh, correction if they were. You say it was yeah, five tons yeah. They uh, they spent seven thousand with this other guy, and now we've got a lot of cleanup to do, um, plus yeah. a whole new system. So you know we're looking at nine grand going back in. So he's sixteen all in. Yeah, and so do you all do mold removal, or did you have to call out another company to do that? So we do um, mild mold removal, um, and and we can basically. We can be a, a better of service. So um, about 15, 16 years ago, there was a big mold boom in Texas, especially the Houston area. So I broke off of um, my dad's company and I went and studied mold um, and worked for a, a mold microbiologist for two years and uh, just really dug into it. And so we, I, I can now bring that knowledge forward and we can find out why you have mold, why it's being created in your system, what we need to do to get rid of it, and then Lastly, what we need to do to make sure it never comes back. Yeah. So what causes the mold in Texas? Moisture. Um, we basically, we live in a bowl. Um, if you look at sea level, we're below sea level. So, you know, moisture just sits around here a lot. Um, we have really, really high humidity rates. Um, during the summer, it'll be 100 degrees and it'll be 100% humidity. And wow. so with with those conditions, you have to design your air, con- air conditioning system to remove moisture primarily and, and cool secondarily. And when you don't do that, and when you oversize, you just create more moisture. Yeah. That seems to be a problem that I've, I've continued to hear is more of a trend with in the industry is people oversizing or selling oversized systems to homeowners. Why do you think that people are doing that? 
So I think it's, there's a few different reasons. Um, a lot of guys out there, man. And, and unfortunately they just, you know, they worked for an AC company for like six months and then they went and started their own and they don't have the knowledge. Um, they have very little education in our field. And so they just throw something in that sounds right. Um, there's a lot more out there that go by just rules of thumb, you know, that we used to go off of back in the eighties and nineties, you know, like 400 square feet per ton, 500 square feet per ton. This is a science. It's an exact science. And there's a lot of things that need to be factored in there. That's why a load calculation, a manual J is normally pretty darn important. If you're going into a house and just changing out equipment, like for like, you know, then it is what it is. But if there's an issue there, then you really need to dig in deeper and, and figure out why there's an issue and how you can solve it. Yeah. And especially in, in different geographical areas too, like where it's a hundred percent humidity uh, versus if you go to, I don't know, somewhere like Nebraska where yeah. no humidity is just dry. Uh, it's, yeah, so, it's not uh, apples to apples. It's not a buddy of mine has a house over in Sedona. We were just over there in Arizona and, uh, he has a swamp cooler. He actually adds humidity to his space Wow! instead of removing it, you know, because it's so dry there. But you would never, ever find a swamp cooler down here in Houston. <laughs> yeah. So we're we're located here in Virginia Beach. And, uh, you know, I, I thought it was pretty humid here. And, our, you know, our humidity rates on a day like today is around like 55, 60 percent because we're right up by the water. Um so I, I couldn't imagine a hundred percent humidity because it's like the second I step outside, my glasses fog up, my, yeah. my windshields all fogged up. Um, so, so how often do you get calls from customers to fix the problem that you had just had to fix recently with the mold? A lot. Um, we probably get three to four a week, um, which is a lot. It's a lot more than it used to be. You used to get maybe one a week or, to a month or something like that. Um, but they're becoming more and more, um, seen. And, and, and a lot of the reasons why is, is this year, especially here in Houston, it has just rained and rained and rained. I think we had, uh, we rained 28 days in July, 28 days, you know, I mean, that's, it's unreal. So the amount of moisture that's outside, and then every time we open our doors, we're, we're bringing that in. If we don't have a positively pressure system, um, you know, if, if your windows are leaking a little bit, your doors are leaking a little bit, all that moisture is seeping in and then the AC system is having to fight that. Yeah. I guess what they say is true. Everything is bigger in Texas, including the humidity. <laughs> You're exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> so are there other, other states around you that face similar challenges like Louisiana or Oklahoma? Definitely Louisiana. Um, I actually spent some, some time, uh, up in Oklahoma for a little while. My mom moved up there. So um, I know that climate pretty well. It's pretty dry, pretty windy. Um, but Louisiana basically mimics our climate, um, especially because they're right there on the Gulf. And, and a lot of the cities that are allow, along the Gulf like that actually do have high humidity rates like we do. Yeah. So when it comes to like marketing and advertising, how do you guys communicate uh, your services to customers in regards to like the humidity and, and the mold removal and all that stuff? So it's a difficult one to talk about because it doesn't affect everyone. So you don't want to spend a lot of time and energy on it. So what we have found is we just target it through social media and uh, we, we do it in a way of after we help a client fix a problem like this, we like to get, you know, something recorded by them, speaking about their issues, um, you know, how we solve them 
and then just spread that out on social media. And hopefully it reaches people that are having the same issues. Unfortunately, there's a lot of companies around us that they have no idea how to address this moisture and mold issue uh, in all of these systems. And quite frankly, they make things worse. Yeah. And there we find situations that could have been solved a lot easier if they wouldn't have come in there and done something extremely incorrect. Like the other day we went to one and, and a guy had told him two months ago, put the fan in the on position, just leave it in the on position. Um, and it's going to remove your humidity. It actually creates humidity by leaving your fan in the on position because when yeah. the coil is now wet and the condenser is shut off, that's not cold anymore. It's just moist, hot water. And you're not, now you're blowing that into the plenum. You're creating more moisture in the house. So this guy now, we're ripping out all of his ceilings and his bottom floor. Um, we're removing wet ductwork everywhere. His ceilings are dripping. Every you can you can see exactly where the ductwork is because his ceiling just drips everywhere. There's ductwork. It's insane. Yeah. You know that's that's so funny that you you mentioned that because I I remember as a kid I feel like it was at my grandma's house she in here in Virginia I'd, I'd always notice sometimes be there being moisture buildup on like the ceiling fan like around the light or mm-hmm. and I was always like how does that even get there um, and then. I guess, I mean, I guess that kind of makes sense as to why it was happening. There's yeah. probably because it was a very humid area and just left the fan on all day. Yeah. Well, the ceiling fan is fine, but I'm talking about the fan and the air conditioner. Don't turn that oh, on okay. and leave it on because it's going to blow through that evaporator coil after the outdoor unit turns off. The evaporator yeah. coil is still wet, but now it's not cold anymore. Now it's just wet. And yeah. so you're introducing all of that air and that wet air into the airstream. Yeah. So do you do this type of education with, with your customers and with the community down in Houston? Cause I mean, this is, yes. this is stuff that like, you know, a lot of, I would be willing to bet probably 75% of homeowners don't understand or they don't know. They don't know. So, um, I do a lot of these little podcasts like this. Um, I do a lot of networking in our area and in Houston. And so I'm in front of, I get to be in front of a lot of people, um, at forums. And so I try to share this knowledge as much as I possibly can. Um, it never fails. Every time we do one of these forums and uh, we start sharing this type of information, we just get flooded with calls. People wondering if, if their home is is suffering from this. And that's not the point of it at all. I'm really actually trying to educate people how to operate their systems properly so that they can avoid this. Yeah. So what are what are some of those tips that you give people so to, I guess, to have their system properly uh, operating to avoid this type of problem? Well, number one, even if you're not going to use us, use somebody for maintenance. Um, get your system checked out at least twice a year, once in the summer, once in the in the fall. Um, make sure that everything's nice and clean, especially coils, uh, indoor and outdoor coils. But more importantly, the things that you can do is change your filter. Change your filter once a month. Um, if it needs, if it can go a little bit longer, that's perfectly fine. But I mean, they aren't that expensive. Just change your filter. <laughs> yeah. um, don't turn your fan in the on position. Don't turn your AC off when you go to work and then expect it to cool down very quickly and remove all that moisture that's built up in your house along the day, you know, within the next hour when you get home. Um, Just let it do its thing. Put it in auto, put it in cool, set it to a temperature, you know, let that temperature go up to 78 while you're gone. That's perfectly fine. But don't really let it get over 80 if you can, if you can help it, because that's when moisture is going to start creeping in. Yeah. So what, what are your thoughts on like smart thermostats, like the Nest? I hope Nest isn't watching, but I don't like the Nest. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, 
if Google's listening to this podcast, <laughs> I would be really surprised. <laughs> so I, uh, man, we replaced so many of those Nest thermostats. I, I mean, I really appreciate Nest because they they give us a lot of money. Um, yeah. We replace a lot of the Nest thermostats. In fact, we just went to a house yesterday that has moisture issues, and we found that the Nest thermostat keeps turning the fan in the on position. They keep turning it off, and it keeps turning it back on. And so they go to work, and when they come back, the house is all muggy and humid. Um, they they came home the other day, and they had 87% humidity in the house because of the stupid thermostat. Mm-hmm. So we changed it out. And what I really like is the Ecobees. Um, Ecobee has a really cool platform. It works with Alexa as well. Um, it it does all sorts of, of, of really cool things. It has some eco functions as well that can uh, save you a little bit of money. Um, and it basically works with every system out there and it's just super simple to use on your app. Yeah. Yeah. We bought a nest probably a year ago and it has been nothing but problems. I mean, it, like you said, like it's, it's smart. So it learn, they say it learns your, your patterns and whatnot. So it's just like you, you come home and it's just like randomly off. You leave 15 minutes, you come back, it's on. You're like, what? It's just crazy yeah. and then you, i tried setting a schedule and like the ske- it didn't adhere to the schedule at all no because you're not the boss it is yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's uh i guess it's the boss of the home now so yeah now we're we're actually about to replace it because it was like it's just causing too many problems and we just got a new system which was really nice and it was just like it was causing a lot of problems in our home yeah and i was like there's no way the system's causing this um but it's got to be something like the thermostat or something yeah, definitely. I mean, if you're going to replace it, man, I would definitely suggest going with the Ecobee. It's a great, great thermostat. I've got them in my house as well. I feel like we should get Ecobee to sponsor the podcast. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. So, so Brian, let's let's talk a little bit more, shifting back kind of here into like the business side uh, when it comes to like growth of your business. So you've been in business for 13 years. Uh, you said you've got over 15 employees now. Mm-hmm. So how, how did you take the business from zero to, to where it's at today? Man, that was a, that was a chore. Um, I, I ended up leaving my father and, and going to work for a couple of other companies um, and spent several years working for these different companies. And I, I created what I called the Bible. Um, I made lists of everything that they did that worked out well. And I made lists of everything that they did that did not work out well. And so I knew I was going to start my own at some point and I knew I wasn't going to be going to schooling for it, you know, not for business at least. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I needed to know the ins and outs and, and that's what helped me. So um, several years into working for the last guy I worked for, um, he was actually grooming me to take over his company. And uh, one day he just brought me in and said, look, you don't know it, but I've got a son that's your age. We haven't been in contact for a very long time. And, uh, we are in contact now and he wants to take over the business. So what am I supposed to do? So he kind of left me out to dry. So what I would start doing is I would go to work from 6 a.m. to about 4 p.m. for him. And then I would come home, change clothes, and I'd get in my own personal truck with my own personal tools. And I would just go out and start working on different clients' homes, you know, friends and family members. I never, ever took one client of his because I didn't want that to ever happen to me. And I'm a very firm believer in karma. So I, I wanted to do this the right way in my way. So I would work until about 10, 10 p.m. on uh, service calls. And then I would work from that time till about two in the morning on new home projects that I had landed and change outs and vacant homes. 
Um, and I would do it all by myself. And then I come home around two 30 and, uh, go to sleep for a little bit and start it all over, man. And I did that for a year and a half. Wow. And, uh, one day he called me up, he called me up after I'd got home and was changing clothes to go to prestige. And, uh, he said, Hey Brian, I found out about prestige. I appreciate all your years of service and you're fired. Click. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the day I went on my own. And, uh, my wife got home about 30 minutes later and, and, um, I didn't want to worry her. So I did tell a little white lie. I told her that I had made a great decision that day and we were going to start prestige and we were leaving the other company behind. That's right. And uh, She got excited. Of course I was nervous as hell, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I started the company basically with $800 in my pocket, uh, my own tool bag and, uh, a blue, what was it? A 2004 Dodge truck. And, uh, nice. away we went. And oh, that's that's an incredible story. I mean, I, I love hearing stories like that where, you know, you you get pushed off into the deep end almost, you know, because mm-hmm. there's so many people out there that, you know, let's be honest, there's a lot of technicians out there who go and work side jobs. Because, yeah. You know, it's what it's not bad money. Um, but, yeah, they go work side jobs and, you know, they want to start their own business. They want to go off on their own because they've always had the itch for entrepreneurship. They've always had the itch to make more money and right. you know, get out of the attic and into more of a, I guess, an office setting and, and just try to, I guess, grow into the trade more. Um, but they never do it because they don't ever have the push from someone to do it. And that's it. And then, yeah. And so in this instance, it was, it was the push that you needed, but you didn't probably didn't know it at the time. I, I didn't. And man, I had for about six months before that, I had pondered just going out and, and just doing it. But every time I did, I would look at that regular paycheck that I was getting from him and be like, man, what if I don't make it? You know, and I've got mm-hmm. something secure right now. And so that push did a lot of good for me. It, it And that really started my my path on ultimate confidence. Once I did that and it worked and I started growing this, I was like, man, I can do anything I want. I will make it happen. I promise you. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is a very good feeling to uh, be able to do something on your own and be able to say like, I did this. Yep. Uh, which is awesome. So, so after you kind of got the start, you know, full time uh, with your, with your blue truck and your, and your tools, <laughs> How did you go about, I guess, the next the next three years? What did that look like? Uh, next three years were almost catastrophic, to be honest with you. We grew at an enormous rate. Um, once I started going out there and, and doing what I was talking about earlier and treating clients like I was treating them, um, we just blew up, man. And so I hired a guy um, who ended up screwing me over. Basically he, he kept saying he was my first employee and, and I was getting calls from clients saying, Hey, you know, we still have a, an issue over here. And, um, so I would call him up, Hey man, what's going on? You know, are you on this job site? Oh yeah, yeah. It's just taking a little bit longer. And then I found out he was at home. Um, so, you know, he was making it even worse for me. So I got rid of him and I immediately just hired three other people. Um, and we just started tackling it. Um, but we grew too fast. And, uh, we, and when I say that, I mean, we weren't able to give that customer experience that I started the business with and, and clients started to actually call me out on it and they were calling, they were calling me and, you know, the office line was my cell phone. So, you know, I'd be up in an attic and I get a phone call, I'm answering phone calls and they'd be like, Brian, 
you know, you used to be so much better than this, but now the customer service aspect is gone. And so uh, we decided, I decided I was going to scale down a little bit and hire a couple more people. So we scaled up to five people and then we scaled our clientele down and we started spreading our calls out. Um, we weren't trying to get everything done in one day. Um, that used to be a problem of mine. I wanted to, I'm a people pleaser. So I wanted to to get to everybody that one day, you know, um, mm-hmm. and when we started to spread them out a little bit more, we got a few more people. We took a few less calls per day. Um, we gave that customer experience back. And then I got great phone calls of people saying, thank you for whatever you did. Yeah. So uh, let's just, let's just keep diving into the timeline here. Cause I'm really, I'm really enjoying listening to this. So, <laughs> so after I guess the first three years and you're at, you're at 13 years now. So let's just, say the next five years, what was, you'd scaled down the clientele and the company or scaled up the company, scaled down clientele. What was the next, you know, three to five years look like from there? So then, um, I'm pretty, very well versed in, in light commercial, um, and heavy commercial as well, but light commercial, you'll find more technicians that can do that. So I, I decided that we were going to then start splitting up and do 50, 50 residential and commercial. Um, so I hired a few more technicians for uh, light commercial. We took on some uh, some maintenance uh, clients for commercial side as well. Um, we took on some pretty large projects. We ended up remodeling the largest um, apartment complex in the city of Houston. It was all chill water. And we replaced all the chill water in the entire place, including all the air handlers. Um, the apartment complex had 793 units, wow. uh, which is a lot. It's It's almost unheard of. Most complexes have 300 to 400. Yeah. Um, and at that time we, we really scaled up. And, uh, at that time I had, and, and they all knew that they were only going to be there for about a year until this project was done. But at that time we had about 48 employees. Um, during that project, I found one of my favorite employees I have right now. He's a technician that's now been with me for 10 years. Um, he is, he epitomizes everything that I want the customer to see in our company. And he spreads that throughout the company with all of our other technicians like wildfire, like a disease, uh, but a good disease. And uh, so we, we just continued to grow and take on more commercial, take on more residential. Um, but then we started to, I came up across a, another problem. We eventually got to about 75% commercial and only 25% residential. Well, especially for a younger company, what that really does is it, it hurts your cash flow. So now I'm waiting for payments for 60, 90, 120 days. Yeah. Whereas if when I was all residential, I'm getting paid today. Mm-hmm. As soon as I'm done, we're writing a ticket, we're getting a check, we're depositing it, and we got money in the bank. Now I'm getting strung out and we've got $100,000, $200,000 strung out on different projects. We're waiting on payments. So it, it started to create some financial burdens in the company. Um, and mm-hmm. so we had to rescale things and and, and kind of go back to the drawing board all over again. Um, you know, I, I've basically sent myself through business school the hard knocks way. And that's of making mistakes and learning them. And now I mentor quite a few business owners. And, and the one thing that I tell them all the time is, is please make mistakes. Just make them. Get them out of the way. Learn from them. And, and get that spanking that you really needed to make sure that you never do that ever, ever again. Yeah. That's that's a really cool story. And so now you're you're here today uh, on the world's greatest HVAC marketing podcast, telling your story. Mm-hmm. Um, 
what's the company look like today? I know you'd said earlier you're, you have, uh, you know, 15 to 20 employees. What's the split now with residential commercial, anything like that? So we work extremely hard to keep it 50, 50. Mm -hmm. Um, we keep it 50, 50 as, as much as we possibly can. Sometimes the commercial will range up closer to 60%, but we, we, we get more residential clientele and we even that back out. Um, so, but I, I watched that all year long. Um, it's one of my big concerns because it hurt me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had a general manager back in the day that, that hurt me as well. I found out he was taking my clients on the side. So now I, I have different processes for that. You know, I, I no longer have a general manager. I have service managers, installation managers. I'm the general manager. Yeah. Um, I, I no longer, at, at one point in time, about eight years ago, I was working with a business coach and he told me to start stepping away from the business and doing some other things. And when I did, it started suffering. So I'm, I'm not going to step away again. Um, it needs, it needs me and it needs me here. And so as long as I own this company, I will be here at the helm. That's awesome. This is a really cool story. So when it, I guess when it comes to today, you know, differentiating residential commercial, what are some of the, I guess the winning marketing strategies that you use for both? Um, really, man, it's, it's a lot of networking. Mm -hmm. Um, I network, like crazy. I'm the president of a networking group uh, up here in the Woodlands and uh, I've done pretty well at it. And because of, of that, because of, of the way that I've led that group, I've, I've got a lot of notoriety and a lot of people know of me and, and know what I do. So because of that, they just automatically reach out to me because I, I, I'm guessing that they feel like that they can trust me because they know who I am. They've seen me in different settings um, they feel like that they can trust that I'm going to take care of them. So really, truly networking is, is the top, um, social media comes in a really, really close second because I mean, now we'll, we'll, there'll be a post for someone in a, in a neighborhood looking for an AC guy to come replace their system. And literally there will be 35 to 40 comments on there recommending people. And we will be 30 to 35 of them. It, yeah. It's it's amazing. And so of course they're going to call us because everyone is recommending us. Yeah. That is like the, I think that's like the biggest secret untapped potential in social media is the recommendations uh, thing where people, especially in like private groups, like I'm sure there's a woodlands buy, sell and trade or woodlands only or something like that. And that's where people go in there looking, you know, looking for a plumber, looking for an HVAC guy, looking for something. And then you're just of people recommending businesses. And if you can get your customers to go on there and recommend you, you're going to get that job nine times out of 10. Yeah. And, and almost every single neighborhood now has a next door, Mm-hmm. Um, so get on next door, man, blow that thing up. Every single neighborhood now has a private Facebook group. See if you can find someone in that Facebook group to, to start shouting your name. And yeah. once you get a few of them in there, then there'll be four to five shouting your name. Then there'll be 15 or 20. And and before you know it, you've got the neighborhood sewn up. Yeah. Um, you know, get in all these private groups as much as you possibly can and, and make sure that you're active you know, I hated social media and, and I hated Facebook and I fought it tooth and nail, but now I'm perfectly fine with it. And, and I check, I check it all day, every day. I answer people's questions. Um, I'm on instant messenger answering their questions as well. They reach out to me personally. 
Um, so it, you know, just staying connected, um, is, is really, really working for us. Yeah. And if you're out there listening right now and you can't find Facebook groups, make your own, you can make, and this is, this is a a really cool secret about Facebook groups. If you own the group or you're an admin, you can set up alerts for particular keywords that are used within the group. Mm -hmm. So if you like, there's someone, I found this out through someone I met who owns a group here. Uh, it's a Virginia beach. I think it's for locals by locals and he's a real estate agent and he has alerts set up so that anytime someone mentions his realtor, real estate, selling house, buying house, renting house, whatever, he gets a notification before anybody else sees the post and then he can go for him first. And so if you're looking That's for amazing. a good idea, yeah, you, you could start your own group and set up those notifications to get, alerts when people are looking for plumbers and HVAC guys, electricians. Yeah. Just, I would, I would just, so a word to the wise, I would be a little careful how you handle that though. So there was a, there's an AC company here in my area that started a local group to help the city. Like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, ask the woodlands is what it was called, I believe. And, um, people started asking for contractors and eventually started asking for AC contractors and people would recommend other companies besides them because they didn't really know them. You know, they just knew that they, they started this group Um, and they started booting people off. So they would, so I got booted off for absolutely no reason, just because (laughs) I own an an air conditioning company. Um, Then they started booting off people that were recommending me. And so then what that did was that just, that just drove people to me. It, yeah. was, it was hilarious. And people started calling me left and right. And they're like, we want to use you because I got booted off of a group for recommending you. you I'll be using you for the rest of my life now. And so all they did was anger these people. <laughs> turn yeah. <them> to me. <laughs> wow. That, that's actually, that's crazy. I never thought about that. So I guess if you start your own group, don't boot people off because then you'll just be all inclusive, man. That's what yeah. people want. You know, that it's a community. So treat it like a community. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Brian, this has been an awesome conversation. Uh, real quick before we wrap up, uh, there was someone out there listening right now who's starting their own business, uh, or maybe they just got fired for moonlighting and they are forced to start their own business. What is a tip that you would give them? Sit down, make a game plan, make a business plan if you can. And first and foremost, create an exit strategy. You're not going to have this forever you're going to want out at some point in time or you're going to die and get out. So you need to create an exit strategy when you're creating this business and it will give you a goal to reach. That was something that I missed on the very first of mine, but I I found it, you know, within the first three years and now I have a goal that I'm going for. So create a goal, just keep going for it and know that there's so much work out there for us guys. And we're never, ever going away that you will succeed. You just have to work hard. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Brian, I appreciate your time joining me here on the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast. Uh, before we go, what's a good way for our listeners out there to get in touch with you if they want to uh, just connect with you or, or, or talk to you and learn more about your company? Uh, our office number, I'm almost always there, 281-288-6211. Um, our website, prestige-ac.com. Um, or you can find me anywhere on social media, Brian Gessner. Cool. All right. Well, we will include a link to your website on uh, the show notes and that way people can go check it out and, and get in touch with you. Brian, I appreciate you joining me today. I appreciate you having me. This yeah. was fun. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I had a blast. So thank you so much for joining me again. Um, thank you for everyone that was out there listening. I hope you all have a great rest of your afternoon and an awesome weekend or rest of your week, depending on what day you're listening to this too. <laughs>